my life has been wrong since Jesus came into my heart. I have lied in my soul for which wrong I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Words of joy on my soul I can see they're all strong. Since Jesus came into my heart And my sins which were many All washed away Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Lots of joy on my soul that seed below strong Since Jesus came into my heart I shall go there to dwell in that city I know Since Jesus came into my heart And I'm happy, so happy Forward I go Since Jesus came into my heart Came into my heart, says Jesus. Came into my heart, floods of joy on my soul like the sea billows roll. Says Jesus, came into my heart. You may be seated, page one hundred and three. Jesus I would know more of his grace to others show more of his saving from his sin more of his love who died for me more more about Jesus more more about Jesus more of his saving for love who died for me more about Jesus let me learn more of his holy well discern spirit of God my teacher be showing the things of Christ to me more more about Jesus more more about on his throne riches and glory all his own more of his kingdom sure increase more of his coming prince of peace more more about Jesus more more about Jesus more of his saving for his who died for me. Let's do one more, page 285. Oh, I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. 
We actually call it the Next Generation uh, Sunday School class, which will be for everyone between the ages of 20 to 45. So if you fall in there, we've got a, we've got a special Sunday School class for you. The adult Sunday School class up under Brother Titus will still be uh, out there in the fellowship hall. The new class will be upstairs. So you be sure to come. Make plans. You've got... You have got to make plans for God in your life. You're not going to stumble. You're not going to stumble into this thing. You've got to make plans. Just like you plan to go to work. You plan to go to the store. You plan to go to the house. You plan to go out to eat. You've got to make plans for God. And, uh, so anyway, don't know where all that came from, but thank you, Lord. And uh, we might say a little bit more about that in a, in a bit anyway. Amen. Take away my 
my sin when Christ shall come with a shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art then sings my soul I say you and brother Marty come and help me with this tonight. <clears throat> brother Snyder got done preaching this morning and I looked down I had cat hair all over me. Chase that cat all over my aisle. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I especially like what he said about he told his wife that they would not be having any cats, and she knew he was determined. That's why they only had two. I like that. Amen. I did something this past week that I have that I have never ever done that I can remember. I was telling Sue and and uh, Melinda about it. Uh, I think it was Thursday night. I, Deb and I went to. I guess it, we went to bed about eleven thirty that night, and I I had been sitting there. We were. We were just sitting around watching some tube, you know, nothing in particular, just just sitting there together and waiting for the bedtime to get there, I guess you could say. And and uh, so we went to bed, but I had been thinking about some things from the Scripture. Just met it, you know, it was running through my mind as I was sitting there watching the TV and what have you. Well, when I went to bed, I laid down and... When I, when I did, all that scripture just kept running through my mind. And I couldn't go to sleep. I tried, I honestly tried, and I was so sleepy. I was so very sleepy. And I tried to go to sleep and couldn't. And so I just went ahead and got back up and slipped out upstairs. And I went to bed that morning at 5.45 that morning. And... Uh, Stayed up. I worked on this lesson, what we're going to be covering tonight, till 5.30 that morning. And left out of my upper room and went downstairs and crawled into bed at 5.45. And uh, it was a good time. I enjoyed a lot of it. I don't remember writing. I was so kind of in a twilight zone. But but I sure appreciate the Lord feeding me what he did. And and uh, I pray that God had used this, this thought tonight, this this lesson to help you understand some things about what it means to be saved. A lot of people, a lot of God's people, they, they misunderstand salvation. They think, well, salvation's me going to heaven. Well, why aren't you already there then? If that's all it's about, why aren't we already there? And somewhere in your walk down here as a child of God, you've got to stop and ask yourself, why am I here? Why aren't I in heaven? 
What has God got for me in my life? And a lot of Christians don't understand this precept about, about the Christian life is that we get saved, we get born again when Christ enters our life. He actually literally comes inside and takes up His abode within us. He's in. If you're saved tonight, Jesus Christ is on the inside of you. And when the King of glory, whenever the King of kings and Lord of lords moves on the inside of somebody, there's going to be a difference made in that person's life. I mean drastic. I mean heavenward. I mean Godward. I mean Christianity-wise. There's going to be a difference made. And it'll be coming from the inside. And a lot of people suppose that they're all right with God. A lot of people suppose that they're saved. They may have went through a little emotional uh, moment at some point in their life and they try to cling to that as their moment of salvation. Well, I thank God that I've got that moment in my life, but I'm not counting on that moment. I know what God's doing in me tonight. He's not a part-time God. He's not in this just here and there. He's in this thing 24-7. And there's a lot of people who suppose that they're saved that just cannot live the Christian life. They just cannot seem to get on with it. There's no evidence there of being saved. And I'm afraid there's a lot of people who think they're saved that have been deceived and they don't have anything on the inside to cause them to want to live their lives for Jesus Christ. It's just, it's just Bible. It's just truth about Christianity. It's just the way God set this thing up. And uh, we're going to be covering a thought tonight about discipleship. You don't hear much preached about this. You don't hear much said about discipleship, uh, especially in our modern day era. Um, but it is, a, it is a truth about being saved that God wants you to be His disciple. Jesus Christ wants you to be His disciple. And if we're ever going to fulfill that, we must, number one, we must be saved. You don't, you don't serve Jesus and then get saved. You don't serve Him to get saved. You serve Him because you are saved. And we're going to be covering a lot of Scripture tonight. I'm probably going to interrupt myself of my reading and, and maybe make some comments, do a little preaching. But I pray that God would use this in every heart that is in this room tonight. And those that will listen to it by broadcast at some point, I pray that God would use it in their lives also. And you pray with me that God would take this message and, and, and broadcast it out there, get it out there to where people will understand the marks of a disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? I was asking Joe Chancey one day, and I've told this before, but it's such a powerful illustration. I asked Joe Chancey one day about, he was pastoring that in Waycross, I was pastoring in Waycross, and we were just sitting around having some fellowship one day, and I asked Brother Joe about a certain member of their church. Their name had come up in our conversation, and I asked Brother Joe this question. I said, Brother Joe, are they saved? This was his answer. Not enough that you can tell it. That's powerful. For somebody who claims to be saved, for their lives not to show enough evidence of being saved, that's sad. Would you agree with me? That's, that's sad. I mean, Jesus saved me. 
And I want my life to count for him. I don't want people to have a question mark after my name. Are they saved? Are they really a Christian? Are they really going to heaven? I want my wife to know. I want my children to know. I want people that I know that's, that know me to know that I'm saved. And that they'll You say, Brother John, why are you like that? I was raised by a good man. My daddy was my hero. Good man. Wonderful man. Taught me the things about life in his own way that I'll carry to my grave. But I don't know if I'll ever see my daddy again. I never saw my daddy read his Bible. I never heard my daddy pray. He did not leave me a testimony behind. He died when I was 18. He was 42 years old and died of a massive heart attack at his, at his work. I don't know whether I'll ever see my dad again or not. I hope I do. I want to leave something behind, Brother Titus. When I leave this world, people will say, he counted for Christ. His life counted for Jesus. And that's what this whole lesson is going to try to encourage our hearts toward tonight. Is about becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. And then we're going to look at our study together. And, and you pray. You pray that God would open your heart. Your mind and your spirit. Unto the things of God tonight. And pray that it will, it will help you. Let's pray. Our Father tonight in Jesus name. We love you. But most of all, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving my family. Thank you for loving this church. Lord, you've loved on us down through the years. And we've, we know without a shadow of a doubt, there's no way we could ever doubt that you love us. And Father, tonight as we approach this study together, I pray, Father, that you would open up every heart, every spirit of every one of us. And God, please, build some disciples. Build us, Lord. You said you would build your church. You were not talking about a physical building. You were talking about your people. So God, build on us tonight. And we'll thank you and praise you for everything that you'll do in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's look at our study sheets together. If you don't have one, uh, there's some on the table. It'd be so important that you follow along in this study as we go through this together. In this series of studies, we've considered several doctrines, including the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ, and the Gospel. Going forward, we want to look at the doctrine of discipleship. What is discipleship? What does it mean for someone to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? As an introduction, we want to consider this question, what is a disciple? I'm going to take this opening reading out of Matthew chapter 28 at the ending of Christ's earthly ministry where he's meeting with his disciples and he's giving them some instructions. It says it like this in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now I've marked some things in there and you'll understand that as we go through there. This scripture is commonly known as the Great Commission. 
several things to notice in this passage about these disciples. Number one, these disciples served Jesus. They went where Jesus wanted them to go. A disciple of Christ serves at the pleasure of Jesus. You ever heard a government official, maybe somebody in the White House say, I serve at the pleasure of the president? Well, we who are saved, we serve at the pleasure of Jesus. Look back at, at number one up there in the text. Disciples went where Jesus had appointed them. That's a disciple. They went, they served. Jesus told them where to go. They went. The second thing, well, let's read John 12, 26. If any man serve me, Jesus said, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. The second thing about these disciples, these disciples spent time with Jesus. The purpose of salvation is to bring us into fellowship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus looked at Thomas in his John 14 discourse. And Thomas said, Lord, how can we? He said, show us the Father. Look what Jesus said. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet... Hast thou not known me, Philip? Well, I said Thomas, but it was Philip. Look back in the verse at number two. They saw him. They worshiped him. Jesus came and spake unto them. They spent time with Jesus. A disciple will go where Jesus tells them to go. They will serve Jesus. But then secondly, the disciple spends time with Jesus Christ. The third thing. That is, these disciples were to teach others. Look at number three up in the text. He said go ye teach all nations. Notice he had a purpose for them. He had something he wanted them to do. He wanted these men who he was about to leave. He, was, he had been with them for three and a half years and he's just about to go back to his father, back home. And they're going to be all by themselves and the ongoing of the ministry of Jesus Christ is up to these 11 men. And he said, go ye, go ye, go ye and teach all nations. Number four, they were to teach what Jesus had taught them. But number four, back up in our text, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. We've got the textbook. If we don't have the Bible, we don't know what Jesus taught. We've got the book. We've got God's book, His Word on it. And we are to be students of His Word, so much so that we can teach others what He has taught us. The word disciple simply means a learner, a follower. It means an adherent to the doctrines of another. One who accepts, look at this, and advances the doctrines of another. The word disciple can be used as either a noun or a verb. And applying that principle, a disciple is not only a follower of another himself, but he is also able to train and teach others to follow in the same path. A closer look at the word, word disciple and you will see another word, discipline. A biblical study of the word disciple and its derivatives will yield this discovery. The word appears 273 times throughout Scripture with only one instance occurring in the Old Testament. A lot of people say, well, we're just up under the New Testament. Well, the New Testament covers this whole doctrine of discipleship. In the context of Christianity, a disciple of Christ is one who has made the decision to discipline themselves in an effort to follow the desire of Christ for their lives. One of the most frequently used expressions Jesus spoke during his earthly ministry was, follow me. Each of the four gospel accounts contains numerous times that Jesus would challenge someone to follow him. 
We want to look at one verse from each gospel writer. Matthew said it like this, And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Mark wrote it like this, And as he passed by, saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Luke said it like this. He said, and If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Then John said it this way. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. That was the favorite expression of Jesus Christ. After someone gets saved, what then? Discipleship is the next step after someone gets saved. It means going further with Christ and following Him. Once someone is saved, they should begin learning how to follow their Savior with some simple steps. Following the Lord in believers' baptism, church membership, learning to pray and spending time each day in God's Word is a few of the things for a child of God to begin incorporating into their lives after salvation. These are the basic things that a newly saved person should start adding to their lives. And the earlier they begin, the better. And these are things someone does after they are saved. Discipleship is not a means of salvation. It is a result of salvation. Discipleship is the process where someone goes from a convert to follower. A true disciple of Christ is one who has committed themselves to learn from and follow Jesus Christ. To be a true follower of Christ, there must be a commitment to learning what he has said. There's also, however, a commitment to do what he has said. If all you do is read about and study what Jesus said, but you never put it into practice then you are not a disciple. James said it like this, and James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. James said it like this in James 1. Lay, uh, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Let us consider in this study tonight, this is what we're wanting to look at from the scriptures, the marks of a disciple. Number one, a disciple is Christ conscious. In Luke chapter 14, 25 and 26, the word of God reads like this, and there went a great multitude with him. Now get the picture. Imagine this. Jesus Christ has been out for some time. He's been in the ministry for a long time. And he turns around and there's this huge crowd that has thronged themselves around him. He's got the opportunity to reach some people. He's got the opportunity to, to influence people in a way like never before. A huge multitude of people are there. And listen what Jesus said. And he turned and said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Wow, that's not the way that most would approach a situation like that. In this passage, Jesus is not teaching us to hate our relatives or ourselves. What he is teaching is that for us to truly be a disciple of him, we need to put Him first. Not only should you love Him first, but listen to this, you, you, you should also love Him most. Not just first, but most. Your love for Him must be bigger and greater 
than your love for anyone or anything else, including yourself. The first and greatest commandment is this. In Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first, look at it, and great. It's first and most, first and most love. This is the greatest commandment. Some wanted to follow Christ, but they put other people and things first. In Luke 9, 57 through 62 is such an interesting passage. It said, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now I've had people down through the years question me about that. This boy didn't say my dad's just about to die. Let me go home and get my dad buried. He said, just let me go bury my dad. His dad could have been in his 30s. His dad could have been in his 40s. He was just saying, let me do what I want first. I want to be there when my dad dies. I want to be sure that I'm there. Jesus said, I've got some other things for you to do. Go tend to that. Jesus will take care of everything else. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first Go bid them farewell, which are at, my, at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus did corner Simon Peter and question him about his love. Your loving Jesus Christ is important to him, and it will be important to any disciple of his. In John 21, 15 through 17, we read these words. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter. You remember the story of Simon Peter. He had the opportunity in life to be, to be a mouthpiece for Jesus. Had the opportunity to take a stand for Jesus Christ in his life. A simple setting. He was, he was by a burn barrel. They were having a nice, a nice time out by the burn barrel, just warming themselves. It was a cold night. Just a bunch of guys and a couple of ladies around. And Peter had the opportunity, the golden opportunity, to stand up and count for Jesus Christ. But you remember what he did? He denied him three times. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Look at this. More, the most. We've got to love him the most. Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. I got something for you to do, Peter. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Simon was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. A disciple is Christ's conscience. But also, I remember, I want to tell this story before I go any further. I remember one time, I hadn't been saved long, and, and I'm, not, I'm not speaking bad of this situation. I'm not speaking negative about this in any way. I'm just using it as an illustration to tell you what the Lord did in my heart. Uh, I'd been, I'd gotten saved, and I mean, it was, it was the most exciting uh, part of my life. I mean, I'd, I didn't know nothing about God, and all of a sudden, He's living inside of me, and, and I'm, I'm up under a new, new management. I'm up under a new life. And I go to a, a restaurant down there in Waycross where we lived. 
It was called Maryland Fried Chicken. I was going to get me a, a lunch. And I walked in there, and there was a long line of people waiting to be served. And I was standing there in line, and I witnessed to a man standing right behind me. I said, sir, are you saved? And we got talking, and he said he was saved. And we talked and had the best fellowship and all. Well, he reached in his pocket, and he pulled out something. He said, son, he said, I'm so glad you got saved. And uh, he said, I, I want to give you something. And he had one of those little aluminum metal crosses. Y'all seen them, little pocket cross, and it had Jesus saves inscribed on it. And he said, I want you to take this boy. I want you to put this in your pocket. And he said, every time you reach your hand in your pocket, it'll remind you that you're a Christian. I gladly accepted it. I put it in my pocket and I started carrying that thing and I carried it everywhere I went. I mean, I wasn't dressed unless I had that cross in my pocket. And I'd reach in there every once in a while and I'd feel around. There was that little cross. I said, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And God dealt with me one day about that. He said, you don't need that cross in your pocket to remind you I'm a Christ you're a Christian. You've got me inside of you to remind you that you're mine. A disciple of Christ is of Christ is Christ conscious. A disciple number two counts the cost. Being a disciple of Christ will come with a cost. And one must consider that following Christ may cost them some friendships, hardships, and fellowships throughout their life. In Luke chapter 14, 27 through 30, Jesus said it like this, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply, after that he laid the foundations, not able to finish it, all that be behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Now he's talking about discipleship. He's talking about us following on to, to know the Lord and to make our lives count for Jesus Christ. He said, what if it, if you start out wide open, you start, hey, I'm a Christian. Oh yeah, I'm saved. Oh, you look at me. And then some years later down the road, can't anybody find you in church. What are, what are people going to say about your Christian life? You told them you were saved, but you don't even go to church anymore. You don't even read your Bible. You don't even, you don't even care about the things of God. What are people going to begin to say about your Lord that's building your life? Some of God's well-intentioned people jump on board with Jesus and then when something hard or offensive comes along in their lives, they abandon ship. Jesus warned about this in the parable of the sower and the seed. In Matthew 13, 20 and 21, Jesus said it like this, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon, that means immediately, immediately, without even thinking about it, just a, an emotional reaction, an anon, with joy receiveth it, yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word by and by, he is offended. These with a stony heart simply did not count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus as his disciple. The disciples of Jesus were always facing criticism from the Pharisees and others who did not understand. They were criticized for not washing their hands properly, for sitting with sinners and publicans, for not fasting as some others did, and for eating when they got hungry. A great lesson for any disciple is to learn that you will never please Everybody. As a matter of fact, when everyone is praising you, something's wrong. Because Jesus said in Luke 6, 26, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. And Jesus told his disciples that it would be this way. 
In Matthew 10, 24 and 25, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? And again in John 15, 18 through 10, 20, Jesus said this, If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it ever hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not out of, of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they'll keep yours also. A disciple of Christ will be Christ conscious and will count the cost, but a disciple carries his cross. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said it like this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. If there's one word that is associated with a disciple's cross, it is the word surrender. Surrender of ourselves and our desires will always lead us to the cross. Jesus exemplified this while in the garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22, 41 and 42. Our Savior said this. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus Christ surrendered and became obedient to his Father's will for his life. In Philippians 2.8, we read these words, And being found in fashion as a man, speaking of Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When we surrender our lives to Christ, we are dying to our selfish ways. Paul would have never been the disciple he was without this principle daily applied to his life. In 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul wrote it like this. I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily, is what Paul said. The outstanding mark of the last days which, we, which has led us into the perilous times of which we presently live is found described for us in Paul's writings to Timothy in chapter 3 verses 1 and 2, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves. A disciple of Christ will surrender his life to Christ. No surrender, no cross, no cross, no disciple. A disciple of Jesus is Christ conscious. He counts the cost. He carries his cross. And then on page five, a disciple continues with the commission. John chapter eight, verse 31 and 32, Jesus said it like this. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Remember in the Great Commission, the disciples were to teach all nations to observe what Christ had taught them. A disciple will teach others about Jesus Christ and encourage them to follow Him. I love this passage of Scripture found in John chapter 1, verses 35 and 37. John Baptist has been out preaching. He's been baptizing. He's got a big flock of people that's been coming to the River Jordan to be baptized of him. And watch how that this is played out in the life of John Baptist. It says again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. What was John doing? Just pointing them, making them look at Jesus Christ. And the two disciples heard John, him speak. And they followed Jesus. My, my, my. What an amazing accomplishment for this man, John. I mean, a wild man. 
had honey dripping out of his beard, locust wings hanging in his beard. And he's out there preaching. He said, there he is, Jesus. And what do those two disciples do? They turn right toward Jesus, started following him. There is no greater joy in the Christian life than to teach others to follow Jesus Christ. To win them to Christ is a blessing. But to watch another babe in Christ begin to grow and start their own life of following Jesus is the greatest blessing to a disciple's heart. The reason it is such a blessing is that it blesses the heart of the Savior when someone begins growing as a child of God. Growth for a child of God is natural. And when a Christian does not grow, it is unnatural. 2 Peter 3, 18, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. A disciple of of Christ is Christ conscious. He counts the cost. He carries the cross. He continues with the commission. And finally, a disciple chooses consecration. Just as a person must make a conscious choice to be saved, They must choose to be a disciple. No one stumbles into discipleship. It will be an intentional choice someone will make in life. Making your life count for Christ is a place of honor and responsibility. It is not a part-time fulfillment. We need to be consecrated to discipleship. Remember the word disciple means to be disciplined. Jesus has a purpose for every one of his children. If the only goal for Jesus saving you was heaven, he would have taken you there the moment you got saved. He's left you here for a purpose. He has something already planned out for your life so that you might teach others the ways of the Lord. When Barnabas was sent to the church at Antioch, this is what he told them. In Acts eleven twenty three, 3, here comes Barnabas. He said, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Too many of God's people are fickle, insincere, and neither cold nor hot. They have neither given their lives to the Lord. Oh, Christ has committed himself to them, but they have never committed themselves to Christ. They are simply lukewarm Christians, and Christ had a very graphic description of how he felt about those types of Christians. Revelation 3.16, Jesus said this, So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee. Out of my mouth, Jesus said, you make me sick. So much so, I feel like choose to be accountable with your life. That is why church, look at this, church attendance. Not just church membership. Oh, everybody wants to be a member. I want to join. I want to be a part. And they do. And then you don't see them. But my name's on the roll. It don't matter if your name's on this roll and every roll in town. If your name's not on the roll up in heaven, you're doomed. Choose to be accountable with your life. That is why church attendance, not just membership, is so very important. A faithful church member is showing themselves accountable to others. None of us live to ourselves. If you are saved, Christ is depending on you. Other Christians are depending on you. Lost people are depending on you. Make your life count for Christ. Giving the remainder of your years. The good news is that whether you've been saved for one day or many years, you can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The men whom Christ chose to be his disciples were common fishermen, tax collectors, and zealots. 
There was nothing special about them when they began following Jesus. They became who they were because they were determined to follow the one who had saved them. That is why Paul became such a mighty force for Christ. He determined to find out why, find out in life why Jesus saved him. Philippians 3, 12 and 14 says this, Paul writing, he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I'm also apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, I want to find out why Jesus saved me. Lord, why did you apprehend my life? Why did you save me? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Some of God's people need to put the past in the past and leave it there. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth under those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Not only did Paul make that choice for his own life, but he also encouraged others to do the same. Paul would never have been able to influence others if he was not consecrated to Christ. In Philippians 3.17, Brethren, be followers together of me. If you were to look at your children right now, if you were to look at your husband, if you were to look at your wife, if you look at your family members, the people on your job, if you were to look at people that surround your life, and you told them, follow me, where would they wind up? Where would they go? Follow me. You do like me. You be like me. What Jesus is looking for is ordinary people whom he can empower to do extraordinary things for him. Will you let him use your life? Will you be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Let's review. A disciple of Christ is Christ conscious. He counts the cost. He carries his cross. He continues with a commission. And finally, he chooses consecration. Moses is a great example and encouragement for anyone who wants to be a disciple of Christ. We read about him in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. It says, by faith, and it's all by faith. You're not going to do this by feeling. Your feelings are coming, they'll go. You'll feel one day like you're ready to just charge hell with a squirt gun. And the next day you'll get up and you'll be hiding from the squirt gun. Can I get a witness right there? By faith, by faith, by faith, Moses when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. Here's the only way you're going to make it, is seeing him who is invisible. When the wife of the great pioneer missionary, Adonai Judson, told him that a newspaper article likened him to some of the apostles, Judson replied, I do not want to be like a Paul or any mere man. I want to be like Christ. I want to follow him only, copy his teachings, drink in his spirit, and place my feet in his footprints. Oh, to be more like him. In 1 Peter 2.21, we read these words. Sis, you come to the piano. Sister Julie, come to the piano. For even here in two were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. Here's his, what's his... Why did he leave us an example? Look at this. That ye should follow his steps. Summing up what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, James said, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. With as much deception as there's out there today, why would we fall prey to allowing our own selves to deceive ourselves also. 
There's enough going on today. Live your life for Christ. Give it completely, 100%. Don't hold anything back. Give everything you are. You know what? You know what Paul wrote? He said, Wherefore, brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of Christ. The mercies. Think about what God did the day He saved you. It was the mercy of God. He could have sent you to hell. He could have let you die in your sins and be in hell already. He said, I beseech you by those mercies that saved you, by the mercies of Christ, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Listen to this, which is your reasonable service. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. I remember one of the old great men of God, it may have been Spurgeon, it may have been D.L. Moody, I cannot remember exactly which one. He said, discernment is not knowing the difference between good and evil. He said, discernment is knowing the difference between good and best. (laughs) Shoot for the best. Don't settle for what this world's got for you. Settle for what Christ has got for your life. The sincere heart of a disciple is not just in the learning. It is also in the doing. When you reach the place where you seek to really follow what Jesus wants you to do, then and only then will you know what it means to be a disciple. And some of the most powerful words that Jesus ever spoke found written in Luke 6, 46. Jesus said, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? The Scriptures. Listen to them to learn them. Learn them to live them. And live them to lead others to Jesus was what was on my heart between the hours of 12 midnight and 5.30 on a Friday morning. I pray that God would use it in every one of our hearts. Imagine 